We'll get into Wake's game in Tallahassee shortly, but let's talk some hoop right now because Deacon basketball opened preseason practice yesterday and head coach Steve Forbes joins us now. Steve, the time's always appreciated. With it being day one yesterday, what was the message you wanted to get across to your guys? Oh, I, you know, it's kind of hard to say it was day one, Josh, when we've already had 51 uh, practices up to that point. You know, that's kind of the it's kind of the sad part of not having Midnight Madness anymore, not starting on October 15th. You lose a little bit of that excitement, I think, for the first day of practice. Now, you know, we had more people in the gym, media, and those type of things. But I think for them, it was probably just kind of another day, maybe just, you know, a little bit longer. Um I thought it was a very average practice for a first practice. I think everybody in the country has a, a great first day. Everybody's excited to be there. I think the true test of your team is how well they're doing, you know, a week and a half, two weeks from now when the grind really jumps on them and, you know, you got hard practice, you got academics, you got tutoring, you got all those things you got to do all day long, lifting weights, eating right. That's when you really find out where you're at. One thing I always appreciate about you, and I've told you this, is how honest you are when things aren't going right. Year one, you were pretty out in public saying, I don't have enough ACC players to win right now. Year two, you said, I got some ACC players, and we saw the results on the floor. And you mentioned yeah. about a month ago how excited you were about a guy like Andrew Carr, who graded out to yeah. be your best player of the summer. And really, some of the other incoming players I think two or three of the five best guys you had were some of the transfers coming in. How comparable, though, is the overall level of talent of this team versus last year's, you'd say? Well, that team was a lot older. That makes it a lot different. You know, those those guys had high major um, experience. You know, um, Alondis Williams played at Oklahoma. Hadeem C. played at Virginia Tech, played at Oklahoma, or uh, I'm sorry, played at Ole Miss for two years. Uh Dallas Walton was a starter in Colorado. You know, those guys had all played in big games at a high level. Um, these guys are talented. They just have it. They're younger. They have less experience at this level. And so um, it, it shows. And so we've had to, which is fine. I mean, we've had to really slow down a little bit. And we'll have, you know, coach fundamentals, coach things, which we did with the team last year, but, they picked up things a lot quicker just because they were older and stronger. And uh, these guys will get better and better as we go. And um, I like coaching them. They're fun to coach every day, but it's just a different level of experience from last year to this year. Thinking about Steve Forbes is with us, Wake basketball coach, thinking about Hurricane Ian and prepping for this interview, I realized that you and I both have spent time in hurricane country and yeah. on Tornado Alley. I was in the eastern plains of Colorado and spending most of my life here in the Carolinas while you were raised in Iowa, coached in Wichita, and in addition to being here, coached Juco Ball in Florida. Obviously, we're hoping that everybody's staying safe the best that yeah. they can, but whether it's a tornado or a hurricane, do you got any good storm stories? Oh, I got a lot of those. Um, I, my favorite one might be just off the top of my head is my first year living in Niceville in uh, where I coached in Northwest Florida, which is right across the mid Bay bridge there from Destin. Um, there was a hurricane coming up through the Gulf 
and um, I came home. We didn't we didn't have a very big house. Really, truthfully, our garage was our storage unit. Um, we had downsized, and so I didn't have a lot of room in the garage. Um, I pan, you know, the, the 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 hurricane was out there in the middle of the Gulf. I came home. I started throwing everything into the garage. I had a boat. I had a bass boat, and I somehow wedged it in there. And we're running around all day picking up stuff. And my neighbor's looking at me. He's the fire chief. And the next day, he walks across the street and he says, "What, what are you doing there, boy?" I said, well, you know, hurricanes come. He says, no, it's not. He says, it's going to turn right there in the Gulf and go towards Louisiana. And I looked at him, and the next day it turned and went towards Louisiana, and uh, we didn't even get any rain. And I had all my <laughs> all my stuff jammed into that into that uh, garage because I was I thought the hurricane was coming. Um, you know, the the arena where we played at last year uh, at Northwest Florida. Uh, where, where I coached at, where we played, you know, the Emerald Coast Classic. That is actually the hurricane shelter for the community. It was built uh, partly with uh, federal money uh, before I got there because of after what happened with Katrina and all those hurricanes coming through there. It's a it's a really nice facility, but it's also made for the community to go there when the uh, when a you know a hurricane comes. We had to do that the following year. And so I've been through that, but I'm probably a little more scared of tornadoes because they come fast and at night and you don't know they're coming where, uh, you know, a hurricane, you do have time to prepare, which is good. See, I guess you're right on the front of it comes fast and at night, that's a scary thing. But in terms of if you asked me, it's a terrible proposition, like hurricane or tornado, which of the two is, I think, a more terrible experience, it's... The hurricane of not knowing, uh, be having to evacuate, dealing with cresting yeah. levels, and it could be a weeks-long process versus four or five minutes, you know exactly what needs to be fixed or rebuilt after the tornado rolls through. Well, I was in one in Kansas, and they took our roof, and um, I was laying, my wife and I were in bed, and the ceiling fan was on, and, and the water started shooting out of the ceiling fan. And uh, I ran and grabbed my two younger children. I didn't have Jonathan at the time. We ran to the basement, and it hit. And and uh, we were out of our house for three months. We had to live in a hotel because it just ruined the whole upstairs. So, um, yeah, I've been out right. I tell you, it's really scary out driving at night. You know, I've been out. I've been driving many times recruiting, and, and this is before you had the Weather Channel app and all that stuff on your phone. You didn't even know where you were at. You didn't know where the tornado was. I've had them pass in front of me, behind me, um, you know, especially in the spring. I drove to Tup- – I sang- I was driving from Nice Little to uh, Memphis the day of the Tuscaloosa um, uh, tornado. Wow, uh, yeah. Right through Alabama, and it was scary. I mean, this is low as the lowest, lowest clouds I've ever seen. I just felt like I could reach out and touch – the clouds and I'd gone right up through Birmingham up through Mississippi. So I didn't miss it by much. I kind of drove right through it. Steve Forbes. So it was bad. Steve Forbes is with us here. Wake basketball coach. I was thinking about something you said in the spring while watching coverage of Clemson NC state this week. That's a top 10 matchup tomorrow. The way last week in Winston has been framed nationally is I don't know about Clemson because wake forest pushed them very little credit being given to wake. And meanwhile, Whenever Kentucky's really good and close to the top 10, oh, hey, 
look, it's Kentucky. They're doing a great job. Mark Stoops doing great things versus, hey, look how bad the SEC East is because Kentucky's that good. It seems that there's a difference in how those things are framed. And despite it, again, being a top 10 game tomorrow, the national conversation. I saw this on ESPN just yesterday. If Clemson doesn't win, can it get into the playoff as a one-loss team? And I'm like, well, what about the other side that's ranked 10th in the country? And it's frustrating to me. And we even saw it in basketball with hashtag one bit ACC and all that. But you tell me, do these issues of perception bother you at all? Oh, they, you know, I don't, I, yeah, I think they should bother us. I mean, it's our job to, to market and to promote our league. And, and, you know, I, I have, I don't follow the football thing as close as you do. I mean, I haven't seen all that, but I believe you, you know, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's just how people are, you know, and, and so um, I know we have an outstanding football team. We got one of the best coaches in the country, and um, I was at the game. And I, I'm not a football coach, but I love college football. I don't watch NFL. I watch college, and it was as good as a game as I'd been to in a long time. It was very well played and a lot of scoring. And um, you know, came down to the last play. I don't think you could ask for much more than that. You know, it's just perception, but perception doesn't always match reality when it comes to those type of things, like you're saying, I mean, I think our league is a perfect example of that. We went 14 and five in the NCAA tournament last year, had three teams in the elite eight and two teams in the final four and one played for the national championship. So, you know, whatever, um, you know, people got to find something to write about and let them write it. And you got to go out and prove it on the field and prove it on the court. I guess in the NFL or in pro sports, perception does not matter a lick. It doesn't, but in college, when you have selection committees and the playoff right. committee, that stuff actually is an important thing. I remember you saying you wanted that to be addressed in spring meetings. Whatever came of it? Oh, uh, I mean, those are behind closed door meetings. You know, you, sure. you have you uh, you voice your opinion and you know you, you talk about it. And we have a lot of really smart people and in our league, and we have a lot of uh, more experienced people, more experienced coaches than myself, and. I wasn't the only one that felt that way. And, you know, in our deal, they just put a lot in the non-conference. And so, you know, we got to be aware of that, which I know we are. I don't think that's necessarily the only thing that we should be measured upon, but it seems like that seems to be a big thing across the country. And uh, you're right. There is a human element in um, in our deal, in, in, in deciding who plays in, in the playoffs or who plays in the – you know, in the NCAA tournament, and you're always going to be room for interpretation with that. And those people are going to be influenced by certain things, obviously. And so we got to do our best job to cover all those bases. Steve Forbes with us here. Speaking of football, it's kind of amazing that Wake Forest has the best receivers in the ACC. And when I spoke to wide receivers coach Kevin Higgins about it, he's he said that he's been crafty. You have to be at a place like Wake Forest and ident- identifying skill sets, which might mean he goes to a basketball game to find some players the Power Fives might be overlooking, looking at skill sets that he could develop. Have you ever gone to a game on a Friday night looking for a basketball player? Well, yeah. I, I went to uh, Brooks, Coach Savage, and I was in – where was that? We were up to see um, – is it Jamal Banks? What's, yeah. What's the, Jamal yeah, Banks, we wide receiver for Wake? Yeah, we were up there when I was at East Tennessee State to recruit at their school, and we knew we were aware of him as being a really good basketball player. And so I think there's probably, 
a lot of guys that um, there's probably a lot of guys on the team at, at a lot of these places that probably could play some hoops. And I think there's probably a lot of times those football coaches see our guys walking down the hallway and wish they had them. You know, you got to love the game, you know, and I'll use myself as an example. I know this is hard to, to, to imagine, but 40 years ago this year, we won the state championship in football. And, and I wasn't the starting tackle. I was a starting wide receiver and I was first team all state. And, I had a lot of offers to play football, but I didn't love it. And so um, I went to play. I wanted to play basketball and baseball. And so I've coached two that played in the NFL, Martellus Bennett and Miles Tosi at Idaho, and that's about it. The rest of those guys, it's just hard to do both. Hold one second. You coached Martellus Bennett? Yeah. I, I was there with Michael, too. Um, Mike, Michael didn't play basketball, but his brother had transferred in from Louisiana Tech, so they were both – they were both there, you know, and, and Martellus only played for about a year. I, yeah. I don't think he played the second year. He, it's hard to do that. You know, it's just hard to play both, especially when, if you go to a bowl game. And so I know Carolina's had a couple that have done really well, but in the past, but you don't see a lot of it. Yeah. That Julius Peppers guy was pretty good down in Chapel. He wasn't bad. Yeah. He wasn't bad. <laughs> Last thing for you, WD, we made him watch the town for the first time earlier this week he's going to watch Scarface for the first time next week he's really excited about that what's the last movie that you watched oh you know what I hadn't watched a movie after the queen died I went back and watched the crown again while I was spare time um I don't know if I've watched a movie I don't know how many good movies are I was trying to think of something new that I watched but I haven't really watched anything I've been awfully busy Josh I've been I've been on the road a lot, and so. Uh, oh yeah, I have a first-person account of that that you've yeah. been on the road. Right, right, yeah, sir. She was right there, right. I actually sat right across the aisle from me. Wait, you I'll guys were you in the same aisle, you and my wife, earlier this week? Yeah, but I bet you she didn't do what I did. I flew into Washington D.C. Okay, and it's just a day trip. I flew up, I flew back the same night. That night, I flew into Reagan. I went out to recruit, came back, um, put it in my phone, wasn't paying attention, and drove right to Dulles. Uh, that's not smart. Okay. Now, the only saving grace was my flight wasn't until 1030 at night. And so traffic was minimal at that time, which is crazy because it's always crazy in D.C. And I was actually able to drive from Dulles to Reagan and make my flight. Um, but I wouldn't recommend doing that. Was my wife somebody that tried to talk to you on the plane? I've got to know. I don't like those people. The one that tries to talk no, to people on the plane, she didn't do that, did she? No, we talked before we got on, and then I'm probably – I usually send I send up the signal that I'm not going to – I put my headphones on. So, yeah, and there's sometimes – I didn't do this to her, but there's been times I put them on and not even listen to them. I just don't want to talk. <laughs> there's a lot of times I'm on the plane. I'm trying to catch up on my sleep. So, I usually go to sleep, but – um, I had some things to do going up and coming back, so I was kind of preoccupied. I'm really proud of my wife. She's awesome. I, I mean, you way overachieved, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Also, thank you for uh, spending the time. Stay safe this weekend, and I'll have to right. get out to a practice sometime soon. Come on. good. Love to see you. Take care.